New York Artists Collective. Hello and welcome to the New York Artists Collective podcast. This next one's about, this is the podcast where we interview a New York artist to discuss the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, a singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artists Collective co-producers. And today's guest is Paula Bennett. She brings us her brand of sad girl folk here to talk about her song, Desert Sky. Paula Bennett. With one T. Yes. With one T. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for joining me. This is so fun. So we met, so fun, we met at a so far. So fun so far. So, so fun so far. It's fun so far indeed. Um, in Boston. Yes. Which was delightful fun. It was actually, so it was the first show of my tour that I did and it was the best way I could have started it. And it was with yourself and Kayla Marie Scardifield. And it was three women on a bill. So excited about that. And for me it was also exciting because I'm from Boston. So it was my first hometown show, I guess. Um, yeah, but it was that was a great lineup, and what I, I loved about it was that we all were different enough that mm. we brought something different to the table yep. in terms of genre, and I think to like our brands of humor, we all had banter <laughs> that was a little bit differently flavored, mm-hmm. um, and so I really enjoyed everybody's set. Yep. And we can be honest, that's not always the case. No. So it was just like really fun, and it was a really responsive room. Yeah, it was great. And Every, everyone just seemed to be having a really good time. Yeah, it was a really nice atmosphere. And I actually fed it back to Sofar and said, I actually thanked them and said, thank you for be, you know, being ballsy enough to put three women yeah. on a bill together because a lot of people go, oh, that's too many women. And then on, like, when I thought about mean? it, exactly. But then when I thought about it, I was like, no one ever thinks that about having three men on a bill. Right. But somehow Because having, it's default. Right. Yeah. But somehow for three women, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't, anyway, but uh, it was a great show. So it was great to meet you, and I, I loved your set. And I, obviously, there I, I remember numerous parts of it, but one of my favorite moments was Rattlesnake, Aww. which we're not going to talk about. Cause that, <laughs> but, but another time, we'll, we'll do that one. Um, Sneak peek. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is Rattlesnake out? No. Okay. Yeah. When, when when will that come out? And we can do another podcast. Yeah, good question. But it's for now. It's a it's a good performance song because it really gets people um, listening and whooping, which mm-hmm. is not always the reaction to my music because I tend more quiet which is also why I tend to end with that one because it gets people kind of it wakes them up if right. they've been in in the sad zone for too in long the sad zone. so you're self-described as sad girl folk yes funny enough it came about kind of because of a so far that I did it was my first so far I ever did and it was uh in a living room tiny little living room in I think the West Village and I did warn them I said you know my my stuff is a little quieter um and I played, and this particular, so far, uh, the MC did a little Q&A with the audience after each set. And um, this girl in the back raised her hand and said, you know, I love your songwriting, like, your, your music is so intimate. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she's like, I just have a question. What does your music sound like when things are going well? And everybody laughed. And I laughed, because it was funny. And I said, you sound like my dad. <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, and I think it's something that a lot of musicians deal with, which is like your family always has a particular take on your music. And mine was uh, my parents, notably my dad, would always be like, so these are great. These are lovely songs. Are you going to write anything happy? And I was like, just because I'm not writing happy doesn't mean I'm not happy. Yeah. But, you know, it's it was the first time I think that I, I really thought about it. And I was like, yeah, my stuff is sad. And there's like not anything wrong with that. No, of course not. 
And I think actually some of the more powerful songs come from that kind of place of longing or wanting or, you know, a de- you know rejection or depression. I think those are some of the more powerful feelings that we have. So it's, it can be a great place to draw from in terms of creativity. Yeah. And I think um, I was talking to a few friends about this, the phenomenon of listening to sad music when you're sad. Like you just go for... Adele. more of that yeah <laughs> you like you know exactly what you're getting yourself into yeah. but you do it and I think it's because for me at least like I was explaining it to a friend who's like why would you want to do that to yourself and I was like no no you misunderstand it's not a masochistic thing for me it's like I feel comforted because I'm like oh someone else feels this way mm-hmm. someone has put this into words because like I happen to be a musician but what if I wasn't like someone has put into words what I'm feeling and I feel like I'm not the only one it's kind of like you're empathizing yeah someone is empathizing with you through music yeah it's a conversation Hmm. that's an interesting way of putting it don't think I've ever heard that before there you go love it justify your sad songs (laughs) well and I love um we were talking about this before but uh I love your t-shirt. So you have a t-shirt that says Paula Bennett made me sad. Yes, this is funny because it, it almost came about as a joke where um, I was actually thinking up slogans for stickers that I have that came before the t-shirts and the t-shirts now say I heart Paula Bennett's sad songs. And uh, my lovely friend Rose Gologli, who does incredible design, put a little pop art uh, portrait of me with like one single tear, um, which is great. And so speaking of you're saying, you know, you didn't want t-shirts with your face on them. I do have stickers with my face on them, but it worked out. And in that process, I was brainstorming with a friend of mine and we were kind of throwing slogans back and forth. And one of them was Paolo Ben made me sad. And he said, Oh, that would be a great t-shirt. And I was like, I'm not there yet, mm. but it was kind of like that. Or like, you know, Paolo Ben is sad squad, things like that. And I, uh, pitched it to Rose and I said something like it would be so funny if we had a tissue box on it because sad cries etc she said let me get back to you mm-hmm. the next day in my inbox there was a design which is now the t-shirt design of a lovely tissue box in rendered minimally with a single crumpled tissue next to it and it says Paula Bennett made me sad <laughs> it worked out great Branding, it's all about branding these days. Yeah. Anyway, so let's, we'll come back to that, but let's talk about your song Desert Sky. Yes. So you released that last year. Yep, uh, on my birthday last year. On your year. birthday. Well, yeah. when when was that? My birthday, 7-11. Very easy to remember. July oh, of because of the, you have the 7-11s. I always forget yes. about that. Yeah. Anyway, so 7-11, so it's been out for uh, coming on a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot because it was a very quick process in putting that single out, which is kind of unlike me. I wrote it in April. I met with my producer beginning of May and we decided to produce it in about five weeks because both of us had travel plans the next month. Mm -hmm. So it was done and recorded by June and it was mastered by the end of June and we put it out mid-July. So it was a very tight timeline um, for me. And it was new because I had never worked with a producer proper before. Um, I had collaborated with a close friend of mine on the three EPs before that, but I had never actually let someone else produce. And I'm sure you can relate. It's very <laughs> hard to let go of creative control. <laughs> um, and so it was the first time I had done that and worked with somebody on something. Um, and so I was kind of shocked by how quickly it came together. But it was a song that felt very instinctive. And it was one of those things, and I'm sure it's happened to you, where you were just like, this needs to be out. It's the moment for this song to be out. 
in terms of the production of it, you were saying that you, and I loved the, the phrasing of this, and you said, you think in guitar. Yeah, so, uh, well, I was saying my producer thinks in guitar. Oh, sorry, your producer thinks in guitar. Yeah, so I had uh, I met him at uh, a friend of mine's gig because he plays in her band, and I'd seen him play guitar for her. And I said, oh, you know, and that's how we ended up meeting. I went up to him after, he was like, you play really well, like, blah, 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 and we had gotten to talking, and it just so happened that I had been looking for a producer, and he's like, oh, well, I also do this you know if you ever want to talk about it we can talk about it and so I think vocally because vocals are always going to be my first instrument Um, and I think in terms of melody and lyric and I knew what I wanted the sound the song to sound like Um, I knew kind of the atmosphere that I wanted but I also knew that there were certain things I was not good at and the electric elements of it and kind of the ambiance and the atmosphere were a few of those things and those were things that from seeing him play and um seeing his work after he sent it to me I was like oh you're you're good at this so kind of we fit very Mm -hmm. well um in how we work together there's a strength I think in knowing what you're not good at and then finding someone else to compliment that I think that's it's not weakness it is actually strength to knowing when to delegate (laughs) exactly yeah so what is the song about? So I wrote it last April, which was right before my lease was up. Um, and I've moved a lot in, just in New York already. And I was considering moving to California, to LA, as many musicians in New York end up considering at some point. Um, and I had already thought about it a couple of times, um, but this seemed like a moment where I was like, my lease is going to be up. You know, this is something I've always wanted to try. And I floated the idea by a few people that I really trusted. One of them in particular, but it was a few people kind of expressed, I would say a reluctance. Do you really want to do that? And it wasn't out of any kind of, you know, oh, I, I would miss you if you moved, which I think is a natural reaction when you tell your friend you're thinking about moving. It was more a reaction of, you know, do you really think you can do that? Are, do you think you're ready for that? I don't like, I don't know if you can pull it off. And that really did not sit well with me. So initially the song came from a place of like, well, you know, screw you. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go out there. And it was very much a, a bravado fuel thing of I'm going to drive out to California and make it on my own and that kind of thing. Meanwhile, I didn't even know how to drive at the time, but um, I started with the experience of having one particular conversation with one friend and I wouldn't say I felt betrayed, but I felt kind of taken aback, but that this particular friend had expressed that reluctance. Um, And I worked outward from that and the song kind of became more about not just the actual moving to California and all of that, but a little more metaphorical, a little more me looking at parts of my life and that included people in my life and thinking, you know, does does this still work for me? Is this still something that makes me happy, helps me grow? All those things that you start thinking in your early 20s. Um, so it kind of became more about new horizons, not just literally. And you're still in New York. Yep, that's <laughs> when I when I introduce the song now, when I play in the last year, I, I talk about where the song came from and then I go, Clearly, I did not move to California for many reasons that kind of just all fell together in that next month, funny enough. It was a good way for me to kind of get those feelings out. And I think it was something I had been trying to articulate for a while because I I know I'm someone who's very reluctant to change. And I hang on to things and people in my life longer than maybe is necessary, like long past the point of them. I wouldn't even say doing me harm, but just not benefiting me either. And you have to know when that point is funny enough in in the time after that so I went to California 
that June while we were in the process of mastering it and I did see the desert and it lives up to all the hype it's delightful I don't know if you've ever been nope not yet um we went to Joshua Tree me and my producer um and that's actually where we took the cover photo for it for the single um on a disposable camera which was something I really wanted I wanted it to be a little more analog kind of a little more um, tangible and he took of course a million test photos on his phone first but that was there was really a moment where we were driving through the park and we had just gotten the master from the engineer and we put it on in the car because I was I said to him and I was thinking of like if this song doesn't work in the car then it's it doesn't work because I, I had such a vision of it as like a road trip song and a driving song and I was like if this song doesn't sound good in a car it's just not right and there was a moment where we like we're driving through and it's you know early afternoon and it's just all you can see is this one paved road in Joshua Tree there's only one and there's two lanes and desert on either side the mountains and the sky is like bright bright blue and we were listening to it and it just locked in I was like yes okay well let's take a listen this is Desert Sky and Paula Bennett Something new. 
Paula, that was Desert Sky. I love the kind of ethereal thing that kind of went on and you said that was more from your producer in terms of the sound that you were trying to get. Yes. My producer, by the way, is Adam Tilzer. Um, he was great about kind of filling out the atmosphere of it. So there's that kind of high keening in the beginning that I knew I wanted something like that, an element like that. And I think we ended up um, using an Ebo on an electric, which for, mm. for those who don't know is this device that you hold it over a guitar string and it creates like a magnetic resonance that makes a guitar string just vibrate and create the note ongoing. So it's, it is just like a drone rather than a string that you pluck and then fades. Yeah. And of course we threw a bunch of effects on it, but he had that first instinct of like, that's what it needs to be like creating the atmosphere of like the road and the sky kind of above it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I got, I got color. It's weird. Like I don't often think of songs in color, but I've got a color from that song. Yeah. It's about Ebo at the, at the end. And I think like obviously desert sky and it evokes kind of an image. That's um, so lovely. It's a little synesthetic mm-hmm. thing that you did. Yeah. Can I ask what colors? Purple. Ooh. It's kind of a blue and purple. I love that. Like an indigo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's exactly so nice. Exactly like an indigo. Um, so you've been in New York for a little while, but you haven't been performing for all that long. Yeah. So um, I've been recording on and off for a long, long time, probably since my teens. But I was terrified of performing for a long time. Um, I'm naturally like just a shyer person. I love the process of recording and being in my house, creating something from nothing, the idea of you know standing up and having to play and sing at the same time and just be on the spot was the worst for me. So I think coming on two years now, but maybe a little shorter, I just left a pretty intense job and I had some time over the summer and I thought to myself, I'm gonna just throw myself into it head first because it is something that I'm afraid of and I just need to get over it. So I started doing a lot of open mics, um, which as any, anyone starting out in New York knows can be such a crapshoot. Because hmm. open mics, I think you walk in and it can be 50% good, 50% bad. It can be you have to wait four hours to play one song. It can sometimes very rarely be, oh, a bunch of actually decent musicians and people you get to talk to. You never know what you're gonna get. It was really draining for me at the beginning because I'm also not the most social person. And so going out and like meeting new people constantly was really exhausting. But you know, you tell yourself like, you have to pay your dues, you have to just do it. And in the beginning I was wobbly every time I sang, messed up chords, all that. And it really did get easier with practice. And I know everyone says it, but that's what happened. Finally, I started, you know, booking little gigs and things like that. My first proper, proper gig was actually at um, an open mic slash venue that's now defunct, which was the lovely Cafe Vivaldi in the West Village. Mm -hmm. Such a great crowd. It kind of went on from there and um, I started booking little things and then I booked my first so far in, I think, late 2017. I played another so far right after that and through that, I was able to talk to someone who was looking for an opener for Scout, which is a band that I believe you are familiar with. Um, They were playing a show at Mercury Lounge and I happened to talk to someone who was in contact with them and so I ended up opening for them at Mercury Lounge which was really really fun. That was April of last year and that was when I finally started kind of sinking into the performance thing and I was like this can be fun for me. Yep. This is something where you know you get a reaction which you don't get from recording. It's it's gratifying for you and I love it but not everybody has that same balance of what they like in the process. I do love performing, but I also like leaving it yeah. on stage, you know? Yeah. There's, it's just a sort of a different side of your personality that you can kind of allow to come out 
every mm-hmm. once in a while and then you put it back in the box and then you bring it out kind of when you you're ready to I guess that's kind of how I think about it yeah I mean it's a it's a persona to a point and I definitely feel a little like larger than life on stage and I had a friend recently I actually at a recent show I came off stage and she said oh you know you you did really well were you nervous and I said no not more than usual which is something that took a long time for me to get to but I said no not more than usual why and she said you didn't talk much you usually talk quite a bit which is true I've gotten to a point where I've I guess honed my banter and I have certain stories for certain songs and you know little things to kind of fill the time if I'm tuning or something like that um but it it took a while to get there and it's also something that I don't necessarily do off stage Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm usually really tired when I get off stage because it takes a lot out of me and like might be a little self-deprecating when I say this and I hope maybe some audience members disagree with me but I don't know if I'm the greatest conversationalist when I come off a show so when people come up to me I feel bad if I can't really engage as much as maybe they were expecting yeah you're processing a lot yeah you know it's oh how did the gig go and you're like in your head about that and yeah yeah there's there's a lot that goes on literally the second that you come off stage and I think it's funny because the so far gig that we did I remember thinking that exact thing because there was no coming off stage you are you're in front of people there is no stage you were done and then you were there there were just people yeah and I'm like I like that sort of slight separation that I can just even even just to have a couple of minutes to just kind of transition yeah yeah Yeah. but no I totally hear you there final question so what is coming up for you it's a good question Mm -hmm. um I was thinking about this too because like Desert was kind of all a song all about New Horizons and kind of breaking out of old patterns and I think that helped jumpstart the performance. Now I'm at a point where I've been doing it so long that you kind of get into a pattern of you know promoting a show, making sure all your friends are going to come, putting together the set list, rehearsing, playing the show and you kind of do it all over again and that takes a lot out of me and you start to feel like you're not necessarily moving because you're doing the same thing over and over. And I miss recording and I miss writing too, um, which is something I used to do much more often. So I'm actually taking a break, I would say, over the summer. And it's funny because like hearing myself say that, I get a little nervous because I think there's such a tendency among indie musicians to feel like you have to hustle all the time and be promoting and being out at shows even if it's just showing your face at somebody else's show. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I have so much admiration for people who can do that. I just know I'm not like that. I feel like I need time to go back to like the creative side of it. And I haven't done that in a while. So even though it makes me a little nervous, I'm like, I know this is the right thing. And you, you kind of have to convince yourself to be okay with it. Yeah, it's kind of the self-care side of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, that's very honest and very refreshing to hear. I think we are artists. There, There is a sort of an introvert side to most of us, I think. And we need to nurture that. So no apologies. You take your time. Thanks. I'm very excited, actually, because this, this weekend over the holidays, I'm going to go up to um, New Hampshire, where my family sometimes goes. And it's on the edge of a lake in the middle of the mountains. And I've written a lot of great songs up there. I'm not forcing myself to write while I'm there. But if it happens, it happens. And that'll be great. And it's kind of just figuring out, you know, what the next thing looks like. Because I decided consciously to go into performance. So it's like, okay, what do I feel like I want to leap in next? Um, Pat, about it, where can people find you? I am pretty much everywhere people are on socials. Um, I, I'll give you the little spiel that I give people at shows because people are listening to this, which is you spell my name like Paula is like Paula with an O and Bennett with one T. 
Um, so it's just weird enough that it's hard to remember. <laughs> but I'm, you know, on Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, at pretty much every platform you can think of. I look forward very much to hearing what you do next. Thank you. And enjoy your summer and taking your time. And we'll hopefully get you in for a New York Artists Collective show at some point in the future. Very exciting. Paula Bennett, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. The very wonderful and talented Paula Bennett. You can find her at paulabennett.com. Up next week, we'll have New York artist Frank Bell in to discuss one of his upcoming releases. Thanks for listening to the New York Artists Collective podcast. This next one's about. We'll see you next week. New York Artists Collective.